You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. I was afraid something was going to happen to me. My home had been entered three times, and it was ransacked the third time. When I talked to Bill about that, he said, oh, no, no, if nothing's missing, don't call the police. Then he says to me, do you think they could have been looking for something on you and me? She had an affair with Bill Clinton. Jennifer Flowers, today on Now I've Heard Everything, and Bill Thompson. Well, in recent years, it's been Donald Trump's extramarital affairs that have gotten all the media attention. But nearly 30 years ago, one woman's claim of an affair with a presidential candidate is what was making all the rounds. 1992, January of 1992, a woman named Jennifer Flowers, a former TV reporter, singer, entertainer, came forward to claim that she had had a multi-year affair with then-presidential candidate, Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton. Now, as she explained in a 1995 book that she wrote, Jennifer Flowers had not intended to reveal their affair, but she was, in effect, outed by media reports, including the supermarket tabloid The Star, which were running stories naming her as one of Bill Clinton's lovers. She says she came forward after the Bill and Hillary Clinton 60 Minutes interview in January, saying that she had to set the record straight. Yes, I was Bill Clinton's lover for 12 years. And for the past two years, I have lied to the press about a relationship to protect him. The truth is, I loved him. Now he tells me to deny it. I met her in 1995 when she was on a book tour. So here now, from 1995, Jennifer Flowers. This was my opportunity to finally tell the story exactly like it happened, add some details uh, of the situation, and, and elaborate on many misconceptions and, and, and set, set the record straight, so to speak. And there's a lot of information in this book about the circumstances of my story becoming public, for example. A lot of people think that I broke the story, that I had a master plan, uh, that I was, you know, hiding in the bushes waiting to pounce, that sort of thing. And it was anything but that. And you told me that you have read the book, and uh, I believe that that you would probably tell me that you had come to that conclusion, Mm -hmm. I hope. Uh (laughs) Yes. I mean, I I was trying to make that point in the book. Uh, and trying to tell people what really happened because they haven't gotten it straight from the mainstream media, unfortunately. I don't think we've gotten it straight from the mainstream, the off-stream, the out-of-stream, or any kind of media. I mean, you, you really don't have an opportunity in the heat of a political campaign, in the pages of whatever national magazine it may be that breaks the story, in 12 seconds on a network news to really tell your story. Well, I haven't had that opportunity, but I, I, I believe that uh, that the mainstream media as such helped get Bill elected, and I think that they have, they wanted to to help cover up certain things about Bill Clinton, uh, about my story, about the circumstances of my story. So thankfully, I got the opportunity in this book to talk about those things and, and to give out, I think, some very important information in terms of making a decision about Jennifer Flowers. This is an autobiography, as you know, uh, so I go into my background as well. I, I think it's important that people know something about me, where I'm coming from, perhaps understand better why I make the decisions I make, and certainly get the circumstances of, of the heat of what was going on. And I don't mean in Chapter 7. I'm talking about when Bill and I were hiding, lying, trying to keep this story covered up. 
and I was doing all that I could to help protect him until my back was against the wall. I knew I was on my own at that point. And of course I go, like I said, I go into all these details in the book. Uh, but it was, you know, it's, it was a real scary place to be, uh, for a lot of reasons, not only for, uh, my physical, I, w- I mean, I was, I was afraid something was going to happen to me. I was. My home had been entered three times, and it was ransacked the third time. When I talked to Bill about that, uh, that that evening, I, w- I was thinking about, of course, calling the police. And he said, oh, no, no, if nothing's missing, don't call the police. Then he says to me, do you think they could have been looking for something on you and me? And just at that moment, I swear, it was like a little ting went off in my brain, and I'm thinking, now, Jennifer... This may be the man that you can't trust anymore. This may be the man responsible for this situation, for this ransacking, for people coming into my home and searching my things. So it was at that point that I didn't know who I could trust. I feel very fortunate that I did tape some conversation uh, stations with Bill Clinton because at least when my story did become public, and I did that at the time because of the fear factor. At least I had uh, some authentic, authentic evidence of my story. I mean, I expect him to come look into it and interview you and everything. Uh, but I just think that if everybody's on record denying it, you've got no problem. If I hadn't had that, uh, I mean, I've, I have uh, had enough problems with, with people believing me under the circumstances that, you know, I would have been in a terrible position. I have to tell you, when when I was reading the, the 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 portrait of Bill Clinton that comes through in your book, is he's a very likable man, he's a very smart man, and he's a man who knows how to get done what he wants done, and how to get what he wants, and how to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And he's a very likable man, but on other pages, he's not so likable. And like you just said, you you don't know whether you should trust him or not. Well, Bill has had his eye on the presidency. Every, you know, since we first met, we we started talking about that, and it, nothing was more important to him than that. Ultimately, uh, I naively thought that he would always be there for me, but there came a point when I realized that Bill was going to take care of himself, and I needed to do the same. I also felt that, you know, of course, I go into detail about going to New York to threaten the Star. Uh, magazine because I didn't think that they could actually uh, publish the story about the Larry Nichols lawsuit and the women listed in the press release because the local newspapers had not done that. The, the people who had done it, uh, a local radio station, for example, we had them threatened and they stopped. So we had been very successful in shutting down the story in the media there. Well, I thought that I could probably still do that and, in fact, called Bill before I left to go talk to the star people to tell him about it because that's what we were doing. You know, we were putting out fires and we were keeping each other informed about the latest problem uh, with whatever media source. So I go up there with uh, the attitude that, you know, I can I can do this again. And they explained to me that when the, story, when the lawsuit was filed by Larry Nichols, Uh, during Bill's gubernatorial campaign, it became public information, and that indeed the local media could have printed the names of the women. Now, they had printed a story about the lawsuit, but not much of a story, and they didn't print the names of any of the women, but they could have by using the word alleged. You know, and they informed me that they were going to run the story. They already had it in print. This was on a Thursday, and it was coming out on Monday. Now, as I tell you in the book, I'm sitting in a state job, 
that Bill has gotten me. There's been a grievance filed. I'm concerned then. One of the thoughts that go through my mind when I'm trying to assess the situation is that this woman would then file a lawsuit after the story appeared in the star. Now, that story, I did not cooperate in that story. I uh, cooperated with them for two issues after that. But there wasn't a thing I could do about that story. They outed you, in effect. <laughs> yeah, I could have, you know, I could have sued them, but I would have been whistling Dixie uh, with people that, that had deep pockets. Uh, it would have been for naught, and I could not have stopped that issue, even if I had filed a lawsuit. didn't know that until I went up there. And at that point, when I realized that the writing was on the wall, so to speak, the story was coming out, what what would I anticipate that I would face then in my life in a lot of areas? I already had reason to fear for my safety because I had been I had also gotten threatening phone calls. My mother had gotten a threatening phone call. My home had been entered three times, ransacked the third time. They play hardball politics in Arkansas. I'm sure you're aware of, of things that happen to people down there that are perceived as bucking the power structure or that buck the power structure. So I had a, I, you know, I had a very difficult decision to make. My first reaction was, no, I'm not going to do this. I go back to the hotel room, and I start thinking about it. And what I'm going to face if I try to go back to that state job in Arkansas, first of all, not only the lawsuit from, from the lady who had filed the grievance, but media would have been all over me there because they talked about the state job in that article. I had already been fired from a singing job because of the media attention. I had about $1,000 in the bank. I know that I've got to leave town. I'm fearing for my life. I need some money. The story is true. So I decide to cooperate with the star. Now, in hindsight, I probably should have gotten on a plane and gone to Dallas, Texas, or gone to Missouri, or wherever I felt I would have had a safe haven, gathered my thoughts, realized the story was out through the star, and then, you know, tried to seek someone out who could advise me on my options, because I didn't know I really had any options at that point. Because I, I didn't I have a book of instructions. I had never been through this before. I had never been in that position before. And I was scared. All I could think of was what I needed to do for Jennifer, for my security, both financial and physical security. And I made the decision to do the story with a star. Uh, the other, you know, other choices I made along the line that I talk about in the book, I didn't have to make. I didn't have to do the pictorial with Penthouse, which was another, another bad situation. After this short break, why Jennifer Flowers decided to reveal explicit details in her book. Now back to my 1995 interview with Jennifer Flowers. You, you've had your share of troubles from people who tell you one thing and do something else. Uh, I, does going on a book tour and talking to interviewers who tell you one thing make you apprehensive about what they're going to do the next day? Well, I'm extremely apprehensive, but fortunately I find fair people like yourself. I don't, I don't ask you for bias toward me. I just ask for a fair forum. Now, for the most part, fortunately, at this point in the game, if you want to call it that, it's not a fun game, uh, you know, it, it is more balanced. 
with me. I run into situations periodically where they tell me one thing, they get me on the air, for example, and they do another. Uh, I have, Bill, had contractual agreements with people. Uh, I've had what I considered at that time um, experienced lawyers to deal with the, the contractual uh, relationship and still had people break. You've been sandbagged. Yeah, I've been sandbagged. It's not fun. I did penthouse for the same reason that a lot of women do it. Uh, number one, uh, like Sharon Stone, uh, Kim Basinger, the most recently Nancy Sinatra, I mean, uh -huh. to, to further my career. And it was presented to me as that kind of opportunity. And that in the article, they would write about me, and that if they mentioned anything about Bill Clinton, it would be on a positive note and something about the, uh, the love story is the way it was put to me. And, of course, I got real curious about this whole deal, you know, uh, uh, about a fourth of the way into the interview process because the people that I had given Art Harris to interview, for example, all called me and said, Jennifer, this guy tried to put words in our mouth. He tried to manipulate what we were saying. He asked us some very weird questions. He asked us questions that would make you look bad. Uh, we don't think that, that this guy's in your corner. And certainly by then, I realized that this, this uh, article was going to be anything but what they had told me. However, I had a verbal commitment to be able to review it. So I kept thinking, I'll get, I'll get it any day now. I'll be able to go over it. And if I have any concerns like that, then we can take care of it. Well, I was never allowed to review the story. The next thing I know, the magazine's in print and it's on the shelves. And then I read about it for the first time in the magazine. And Bill, it made me sound like a woman who has done nothing but live off men, uh, a prostitute that expects money. Bill Clinton never gave me any money unless it was to reimburse me for hotel rooms. The only thing he ever did for me, and I did ask him, uh, was get me that state job because my mother was sick with cancer, and I didn't want to leave the area, and the entertainment market was not good. Now, I would have had to have left there to get on with the entertainment business, and I didn't want to leave her right then, and he was kind enough to help me get that job. And, you know, that's that's the only thing that I really ever asked him to do like that or the only thing he had ever done for me. I have been an independent, work professional working woman in the entertainment industry for over 30 years. And, uh, you know, I was devastated by that article. Now, some of the article was factual. That's the way those people work. They take a few nuggets of truth mm -hmm. and they build their own story. I, I couldn't help wondering as I'm reading your book and looking at some of the pictures that you put in your own book, how, how does it make you feel to be lumped in the same category with Jessica Hahn and Rita Jenrett. And I don't know if you mentioned Donna Rice, but a lot of people mention your name in the same breath as hers. I mean, all of you are very different women with very different backgrounds, very different circumstances, yet you're all lumped together. I think we tend to, in our society, um, we have a lump mentality, unfortunately. And you are very correct that all of our circumstances are very different. I did the show with Rita Jenrette and uh, Jessica Hahn, and the reason I did it, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, so crazy about being lumped in, but I was uh, excited about the opportunity to do that show. It was a great show. And it was fun, and actually, I enjoyed meeting 
uh, Rita Jenrat and Jessica Hahn, both very different women, but both very interesting. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't like that lumping. I did also wonder, I'll be frank with you, your book is more explicit than I thought it would be. How, where did you decide to draw the line in telling the story, telling the specifics? Well, actually, Chapter 7 is the only real chapter in the book that deals with the sexual nature of the relationship. You know, I don't, it, under, under the right circumstances, I don't really have a problem with, with talking about that, and in particular in this one, because I felt like that that was also an insight to Jennifer Flowers and Bill Clinton and their relationship. We were two consenting adults. We didn't hurt each other. You know, we didn't physically hurt each other. We, we played games. We thought up games. It was all very exciting. We loved each other. It was a fun thing to do. Uh, I, we didn't do anything in there that I would truly consider kinky in the true sense of the word. I think most couples would agree with that. Uh, and it was a, it was a couple thing. Uh, but I, I really only talk about that in depth in one chapter. I spend a lot of time in this book talking about the circumstances of my story becoming public and what's happened since. So, yes, I do get explicit about the sexual nature of our relationship. I felt like that was something that, that I needed to do to give the complete insight. Uh, it wasn't intended to offend anybody. Perhaps a couple could buy the book and enjoy that chapter together, you know. And I've had people tell me that guys have said, you know, I'd, I'd give a lot of money for her to write about me like that. Because <laughs> it would make me look good. And I thought, yeah, well, very I never... lucrative career as a ghostwriter here. Well, <laughs> we'll see. Bill Clinton, of course, won the 1992 election in a landslide over George H.W. Bush and won re-election four years later. Jennifer Flowers is 71 now. And you can find easy Amazon links to Jennifer Flowers' book at our website, heardeverything.com. Would you do me a favor? If you liked today's episode, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, my interview with the brother of a man who was a rising comedy star in the 1980s until his tragic death much too soon. My 1994 conversation with Sam Kinison's brother, Bill. The first big routine everybody remembered was uh, starving people and yes. him telling them to move. Now, we'll move you. We're not going to send any more food out here. And the funny thing is, is that in Sam's mind, uh, that was the answer. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.